Today on Coaches on Edge, Coach Kendra takes the helm as she moderates a discussion that is near and dear to her heart, our heart, and I suspect most of our listeners' hearts. Today, we delve deep into everything surrounding women in sports. We talk about the obstacles we face and how we rise above them. We talk about mental health. We talk about unequal representation, not only in athletics, but in coaching. We cover everything here, and we hope you join us for the discussion. So how are you? I'm sorry I missed you in the summer. Yeah, I mean, we knew that we were coming for quite some time and I, there was a lot going on and catching up with family and I just didn't know where I'd be able to squeeze in a visit. I mean, right. so cool that my sister and brother-in-law live only 25, 35 minutes from Jill. So I know, for- right? <laughs> so it, it, over the years we have been able to um, have some short visits. So it was really awesome. lovely to yeah, see Jill wow. and her parents Good. and Bella, and uh, <laughs> we had a lovely dinner. And yeah. yeah, so it would have been great to connect with you too, Deb, but uh, yeah. last minute is not always. <laughs> hey, you gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> yeah. Kendra? Yeah, let's, let's it's all get you, right baby. into it. So okay. the topic that we have in mind for our for this episode is women in sport, the challenges they face, and how they seem to rise above it. So there was a lot to unpack with thinking about this topic. And, okay. and as it was, it was running through thoughts in my mind, I was starting to sound like a Rick Mercer <laughs> rant. <laughs> my passion was, you know, at the, the highest of the high. And it was just... How it was I... awesome. I mean, it was an awesome rant, I have to tell you. I was like, this is amazing, but it's probably going to take about 10 minutes to read it. There we go. Yeah, and, and that's sort of the way things come together. Your your mind starts going in one direction. Yeah. You gotta yeah. get you got to get your thoughts out and yeah. then break it down. So, yeah. I, I was always going other other directions, and I had to come back to the, right where, you know, <laughs> where we're supposed to start and in our thinking and, and kind of keep it straight and narrow, right? Because there's so many diverse yeah parts to this so let's um dive into uh, the first topic which I'm thinking would be great to discuss and have your opinions on uh, uniforms and dress codes so (laughs) there was quite a bit of stuff that came up recently in in the news and the Tokyo Olympics and I thought this would be a great uh, topic to discuss Uh, women and girls just time and time again have to conform (laughs) to these expectations of what yeah. their sport demands as opposed like what they're wearing and the public yeah. can't help themselves but comment or criticize. So let's mm-hmm. dive into it. And anybody yeah. want to start with, with anything well, that's recently you know, come up? First of all, uh, you know what was really interesting is I learned something uh, reading through those articles that you sent because I was unaware that it wasn't the uh, Beach Volleyball Association that had fined. It was the Beach Handball Association that had mm. been finding their players. Yes. And in fact, um, when I read the article uh, talking about the Beach Volleyball Association, or the, I forget the, their initials, but the organization that oversees beach volleyball for the world sort of thing, they are actually very inclusive with their uniforms. They offer many different choices for both men and women, different mm-hmm. religious beliefs. And I was really, really impressed with that. So yay, uh, beach volleyball, and yes. boo, beach handball. (laughs) Basically, it comes down to this. The people in power are men. 
that's just for as long as the history of man has has you know since the history of man started I don't know how many (laughs) millions of years ago or whatever um, society has has been mostly and I say mostly because there are exceptions to the rule but it's been mostly patriarchal and in the past 2000 years it's ramped up largely uh, due to a lot of the religions that have come into play like Christianity, uh, Islam, all, all religions that give more ammunition to those that are extreme in their viewpoints about gender to take and use against women. Of course. And yeah. because of that, you know, I, I did <laughs> just, just to kind of get some stats. I wanted to get some stats about gender disparity and facts and figures. Okay. Hmm. So Basically, I looked up some facts and figures about uh, women and sport. Okay, so first of all, let's talk about women's leadership in, in politics. Okay, as of September first this year, there are 26 women serving as heads of state and/or government in 24 cu- countries, which is good. Mm-hmm. But just 10 countries have a woman head of state. So mm-hmm. only 10. Only 21% of government ministers were women. Yep. Um, in national parliaments, only 25% of all national parliamentarians are women. Mm-hmm. Only four countries have 50% or more women in parliament. Uh, Rwanda being the highest with 61%. Wow. Wow. That's which huh? su- surprised Shocking. me a little yeah. bit, right? Yeah. Um, and so, and then I looked at Fortune 500 companies. Okay. So only mm-hmm. eight. Eight percent of CEOs at Fortune 500 companies are female. Eight percent. Wow. Eight percent. When it comes to the Olympics, I'm trying to remember the exact number, but it's the number of women coaches there is staggering. It's something like women make up 33.3 percent of the IOC, the Olympic Committee Mm -hmm. board, Mm -hmm. and 37.5 of the committee. And when it comes to coaching, it's mm-hmm. even worse. Yeah. Um, women in coaching, uh, if we talk about women in coaching in the Olympics, uh, the 2016 Summer Olympics in Rio, Rio de Janeiro, um, female accredited coaches across all these disciplines stood at just 11%. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, oh, like, so, I mean, shockingly amazing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and here's some fun, uh, not fun, but surprising facts which I don't think, like, it, it's crazy when I read this. Women are 47% more likely to suffer severe injuries and in car crashes because safety features are designed for men. Oh, wow. wow. I did not know that. Really? Okay. Yes. <laughs> All the researchers, are they study men. They design I safety know. features like head yeah. restraints, all that sort of stuff for men and women mm. are different heights. They have different neck strength and musculature and different preferred seating positions, which means they are more susceptible yeah. to severe injuries because of it. Dif- yeah. Different proportions as opposed to um, torso length versus like yeah. length and the hip structures. And yeah, no, well, yeah. it makes sense. Yeah. So they need yeah. to create those cross test dummies in male proportions and in female proportions. And yes. yeah. 33,000 girls become child brides every day. Obviously, Jill, you're diving into something that women just have challenges in everything. So we started in diving into 
yeah. um, sport, but as you've discovered, you know, you do your research, you do your digging and it's, it's all across the board. I mean, there's, yeah. no, there's no escaping it that um, right. yeah. so many diverse areas that you can go into. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. It's so much information that I was like, okay, I got to get back to the sports area here. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't yeah. even actually look. It was so, it is very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, I didn't, and I didn't I, quite get down that rabbit hole. So thank you <laughs> both for doing that research. I was, I was all on the, the uniforms and why are some of these newer mm-hmm. sports like skateboarding like so diverse? I would think I saw an athlete that was in, you know, tight Lululemon yoga leggings and a tank top. And then you see somebody else that sort of looks like they're about to hit the golf course. And then you see somebody else that's in the real baggy hip hop, like they're, or like a basketball player. I'm like, wow. So is there a dress code for these new sports or is it all about personality and Mm -hmm. what you're, and individuality, and individual. right? Yeah, which was yeah. kind of cool to see. Um, mm-hmm. And then something that's so uniform, like gymnastics and swimming, or I mean, obviously, swimming is performance based, but we've seen some trends change there where the men were wearing those little teeny mm-hmm. tiny Speedos like the divers wear. And now everybody wears these knee length. And I remember, mm-hmm. was it Michael Phelps a few summers ago? go mm-hmm. was even full sleeves right like yeah full sleeves full length uh, so sometimes these trends are um yeah brought in for performance and then sometimes yeah. they're personalized and i did read an article too about nike that nike? is nike yeah. yeah that is uh really listening to women and mm-hmm. designing you know, I think there were multiple options for the track and yes. field team, you know, yep. based on what the weather was and, and their comforts yep. and, and working with the soccer players to design shorts that they're cut higher in the front to accommodate their strong quadriceps so they're not restrictive. Yep. So yeah, that's that's really cool that, um, you know, they're listening to the athletes and, and how they can modify yeah. their uniforms for performance-wise too. For sure. I I mean... Sports is a reflection of the society around it, right? So you're going to see the same issues in the sports events that are reflected from society in general, right? So they kind of mirror each other. And that's how that works. Social media mirrors society, but then it can also help to create new trends, which then society adopts. And sports are much the same, I feel. Um, My personal feeling with sport and attire for both genders is it should be functional. If it's functional and it's safe, then you can wear whatever the hell you want, really, <laughs> yeah. to me. Yeah. I got into trouble years ago. I had a girl go out and she did a number or a program to The Mummy. Remember when mm-hmm. the movie The Mummy mm-hmm. came out? So we had the soundtrack to The Mummy. And we had like a full-on Arabian theme, right? So the little crop top and bare middle covered in you know, colored uh, material and then the skirt. And it was gorgeous. Right. And then, Tastefully done tastefully done. Yeah. yeah but mm-hmm. you know then these new rules came into effect and you know, it can't have more than the effect of 50 percent nudity and oh my god whatever and you and i are both in dance and we know what it's like in the dance world and oh, yeah. basically if it's kind of fits the theme then pretty much anything goes right yeah. and i do tend to be more progressive so 
Anyways, cut to a few years ago. I think it was about five years ago, maybe six. And I had a girl skating to Lawrence of Arabia. And we had this beautiful costume. And it was like around the neck crisscross. And then like it was like a short top. And we were supposed to have jewels like kind of all over the top and a few over the, the, the midriff material mm-hmm. into the beautiful skirt, right? But we ran out of time so we didn't get the jewels on. And they docked me a point. Whoa. And the thing that bothered me the most was I had modeled this exactly after um, the American, oh, what was the American dance team? An American dance team and they had skated to something kind of Arabian, Middle Eastern. And she and I had modeled the top to this outfit just like hers. Yeah. And I remember okay. I argued with the judge. I said, I went up and I asked, and I said, well, I was the one that argued for it. It just shows too much. It gives the effect of nudity. And I said, well, number one, they're in the desert <laughs> where yeah. it's thinking hot. So yeah. of course, women are not going to wear that much. And my skater was 16. It wasn't like she was 10. Yeah. Right. She was yeah. she was old enough. And then yeah. and number two, and I showed the picture of this dance couple and said, did they get a deduction? Yeah. And she couldn't answer me. Yeah. And so, you know, it's very arbitrary. It's very based on what a person thinks. If you're an mm-hmm. older judge, you're definitely going to be a little more. Oh. If you're a younger person like me, you're a little bit more. Oh, screw it. I, she's old enough and it fits. Like it's, she's from the desert. I mean, if, if I'm in the desert and it's fucking hot, I'm going to wear something. I'm going to wear a bikini, right? Like, <laughs> gonna stay cool, huh? like oh it's functional. It fits the music, yeah. right? So, and it was tasteful. I, like it wasn't, it was, it was revealing. a beautiful, yeah. no, I mean, yeah. it was a beautiful costume. And yes, to be fair, I had wanted to get some more jewels, like on the flesh tone to show that there was in fact flesh, like uh, material yeah. there, but we ran out of time. And so, Live and learn, but um, feel if it's functional. I could go on and on. I, I had this, I remember having this um, discussion with one in my daughter's learn to swim classes when she was oh. just like four or five. And I was really hesitant about putting her in a bikini because I didn't want to sexualize her. Yep. And I was like, no, one piece, one piece. And then we went and all the other little girls were in bikinis. And I, I was oh. talking with one of the fathers. And I said, I just didn't know what to do. And he said, you know what? I'm exactly like you. I went back and forth on this. But ultimately, number one, why would I want her to feel that her body needs to be covered up and is not something to be proud of? Number two, it's summer. She's in the pool. A bikini is functional. Why shouldn't she wear something functional? And I just went ding, 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 ding. Why am I letting society dictate what, you know, there's my there's my rant. Yeah. Well but said. It's, it's, yeah. it, it's the same thing. Like, for instance, okay, we have the, um, we had the Olympics, uh, the European Championship. The, uh, the athletes were fined over the decision to wear shorts instead of the required bikini bottom during the game. Mm-hmm. So yeah. European handball um, 90 player, 150 euros, which is approximately, I think, something like $177, um, mm-hmm. which is a total fine of 1500 euros. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Male handball players were permitted to wear tank tops and shorts. The female players were required to wear uh, midriff tops and bikini bottoms. Yeah. yeah. So they were really hard on them. so sexist. Like, well, come Nor- on. Yeah. The Norwegian yeah. team, uh, they campaigned and changed um, yeah. from like 2006 and, and they were at Till even just recently, trying to spread the message. 
We've got a lot of people help, like a lot of uh, spectators and people that love them. Just trying to keep it going, to keep them fighting for their needs, basically. And yeah. it's funny yeah. because the male handball, handball players, they were, they were their thing. And uh-huh. um, they were made to be specifically, you need to wear this and this. And they chose to wear what was comfortable for their body, for right. their sport. Yeah. And, they, and yet they were still fine. Yeah. And then I loved, I loved how, um, you know, celebrities and people of influence get on board. Uh-huh. Cause I think it was yeah. it pink. Was it pink yes. that spoke out yes. and said, Big I'm going to pay the fine. Yeah. yeah. So I love that, you know, and Same. celebrities can, can definitely be influential and, in, um, yeah, spreading messages and, um, change. So right. yeah, that was, that was good. really cool to see that with support. them being, with them being fined. And then with Jill using her example of with her skater and the outfit uh-huh. she was um dang points yep, yep. You know, so it, you know it's the same Ariel, maybe a different principle but like the same Ariel of you're you're going to pay for that yeah in yep. some way yeah and it's around. not hazardous i mean thank god figure skating has yeah. changed somewhat um mm-hmm. we still have costume fines but it's more um if a piece of your costume falls yes. on the ice or is dragging on the ice yeah, yeah. um yeah. skirt business you remember yes <laughs> yeah. i'm so day, happy but... that's been taken out yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 so women don't have to wear skirts anymore which is great i'd love to see a man wear a skirt <laughs> i know I, would, I i i live for the day we see a man go skate like Johnny Weir, come on. I can't yeah. believe he hasn't worn a skirt yet. Yeah. Same. Yeah. <laughs> like, so maybe I, the I, day is coming. Yeah. <laughs> but if it's not hazardous and it's tasteful and, and functional and they feel comfortable in it and it suits the music and, yeah. uh, you know, um, there's nothing worse than seeing somebody who's uncomfortable in what they're yeah. wearing and you yeah. can see it on their face, you can see it in their body language. Um, and, you know, I, I have definitely loosened my expectations um, with families. I remember almost blowing a casket when a skater showed up in white boot covers for a competition. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, you know, I almost lost it on this poor skater and her mom. And it's like, for what? You know, like, okay, this is, it's a preliminary or whatever it was back in the day <laughs> does it really matter right and then yeah, you know, yeah I guess the biggest and it you know it as you get higher up into pre-juvenile juvenile pre-novice you know those things matter a little bit more but yeah. you know mm-hmm. like the warm-up jacket you're wearing like no hoodies and yeah you know it has to match and <laughs> be color coordinated and yeah. and and things like that and you know families will will show up with this new dress that you've never seen before and, and they've never stated in it. and it doesn't fit and the skirt is really long and or it's just and not... they can't lift their arms above their head or do yeah, a layback yeah. and it's like you know you kind of have to let those things go um it's hard <laughs> with those things um can you choose like if it's if this is more of a recreational skater mm-hmm. whatever you look great whatever I'm fine if this is a skater that has very definite competitive aspirations 
then I do regard that a little bit as part of their training because let's be honest, mm-hmm. you have to present yourself as a package in a picture and people are yeah. watching. And it, it is a large part of your brand. You start from scratch creating a brand when they want to be competitive. It's, yeah, it's sure. just the way the world works nowadays, right? So oh, sure. every step along the way, if you show up in a hoodie, I'm going to move heaven and earth to get a better jacket for you to wear that looks better out there. Because yeah. every time you're in front of people, it counts. You make an impression and that contributes to your brand as you move along the ranks to be a competitive skater. It's not just the skating anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I'd well, like to say it is, but I don't. No. I don't feel it is just the skating anymore. It's very much personality and Instagram and your brand and how, like it's it's a whole new dynamic, yeah, everything, <laughs> right? Yeah. The tradition of hockey players, you know, showing up for a game in a suit. You know, where mm-hmm. did that all come from? And and that's in a nutshell. Yep. Brand. Yeah, it's the brand. It's the professionalism. It's yeah. the I'm game ready. Um, I'm here yeah. for business. I'm here. Yeah for a job to do um, yep. for what's about to happen and, uh, and yeah. be able to, yeah, show their, their respect and mm-hmm. earn, earn respect and people are mm-hmm. going to show it back to you in return for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes. then another thing that came up was a lot of uh, gymnastics, a lot is um, they are proofing. Yes. A lot of the leotards and things. And I'm seeing more and more ads on social media for um, sleepwear and underwear and swimsuits just for teen girls um, yes. to, to yes. have that confidence that they're not mm-hmm. going to have leak issues and yep. they can go onto the balance beam and be sure that <laughs> there, there isn't going to be, you know, an embarrassing well, I mean, like, just, circumstance okay. there. I'm going to be super blunt here, but to wear a little tiny bodysuit like that, and I mean, those are tiny, mm-hmm. in front of millions of people as you're upside down doing the splits with spotlights on your crotch. Yeah. Really? Like, yeah. Uh, just the, the grooming, like having to, yeah. <laughs> having to, yeah. th- these girls probably have to wax the minute they oh. start showing pubic hair oh, in order I, to yeah. get it all. Well, they right? must because you never see any. You never and, see any, so there's, I mean, there's that whole culture. Like, I'm asking you not to wear a hoodie on the ice. Like, I could, could go and tell you to go get a Brazilian. I'm not doing that. I'm just asking you not to wear a hoodie. Like, I feel ah. so badly for these little girls that are still learning about their bodies, yeah. and yet they have to go on display like that. That, yeah. to me, is just, I would die. I would, I couldn't do it. I, I could not do it. At least with us, we've got a skirt or uh, there's so- a little more coverage and tights, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. we're not supposed to wear and underwear, then- right? But some people wear the thong. But there's more coverage mm-hmm. down there. Right? And then you have to look at what are boys wearing? Yeah. There's I know, right? What are they wearing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How much are they covered up? No. They're totally covered up. Are you kidding Absolutely. Me? The right? Yeah, exactly. So yeah. why can't the girls be? Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm saying like yeah. equality, uh-huh. fairness. So I totally loved, I totally loved the gymnasts <laughs> with the German gymnasts yeah. with their yeah. full legged, it looked functional. Looked I love it. You still it see yeah. the body so line. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll see in was- years to come. If, yeah. if more teams adopt that as, as a choice. And I just thought they now, looked so sharp. 
I thought oh, they yeah. looked so sharp in their dress attire yep. and they just looked uh-huh. so professional and just put together. Yep. Absolutely. Awesome. Now here's a question for you. Let's say, let's say as a coach, you're coaching a team, like a synchro team, synchro, mm-hmm. synchronized swimming or synchronized gymnastics or whatever. And I'm all about choice. People should be able to wear what they feel comfortable in. But what if you've got like nine out of 10 girls want to wear this and then another mm-hmm. girl wants to wear something different? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, that's, like a tough that's, one. A, that's <laughs> another issue because you want to respect the individuality, but you have to, when you're in a team setting, right. Um, yeah. You got to look uniform, right. Especially if you're in an artistic sport, it really does mm-hmm. make a difference. It stands out. So then do you sacrifice and do you kind of force the one person to wear what they don't want and what they're not comfortable in to conform? Mm-hmm. Or what do you do with that? Like, that's where it gets a little gray area, you know, ish. Mm-hmm. That's not the word, but you know what I mean. Right? But I think there's probably ways around it. I mean, I think it's it's up to the leadership of the team um, or um, where you're, you want your individuality of all of your members of your team. And mm-hmm. if you know that you have members on your team that have different body types and mm-hmm. are not comfortable with the traditional forms of costuming mm-hmm. or whatever, I think that there would be creative ways to work around. Like you see some of these bridesmaids mm-hmm. dresses like they're all similar but they're a little unique and they all yes yeah right so I think mm-hmm. that there could be yep. creative ways to make them all the same yet Absolutely. adhere to Put everybody's body how they're in. comfortable and and what works for their body type and their body style so you know again if you have a great leader and if you have a great um in your group Mm-hmm. Um, there, you think creatively and you yep. work to, to those individual needs. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, I would love to see it. I would, lo- mm-hmm. I would applaud somebody that would be so bold and so brave to absolutely to try to make that work. Cause you see going back, Jill, to saying, you know, dance, mm-hmm. you know, my daughters have been in groups where half the group is black and half the group is red. Right. And and they're creating a theme and they're creating a storyline. So, you know, if you can be a cohesive group in different, the costumes the same, but they're different colors. But so if that can work, yeah, it's going to be a way to make it work. So, yeah. Awesome. Anything else? So I think we should topic two was I, I maybe we touched on that already, Jill, with your research you did. Yeah. But the representation of um, females in sports um, and the underfunding of uh-huh. uh, of males versus females or <laughs> females are females are underfunded as opposed yeah. to their male counterparts. And we, I, I just heard this uh, with the Canadian women Olympic team. Um, how all of a sudden all the women in the first days of the Olympics, I think it took almost 11 days before a man, <laughs> a male athlete won a medal at the Olympics. And it's like, yeah, wow, no, right? what, these women are dominating. And then you hear stories about how they're not given the same kind of funding. Um, yeah. Their sports organizations, I mean, yeah, are yeah. not. So 
Yeah. Anybody done any research on that? Can we speak to that? Well, just for fun, I looked up the ISU Council and the members on it. <laughs> so the International Skating Un- Union, just for okay. fun. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there were uh, five, six, seven, eight members that were listed on their one of their councils or their main council. Let me get this right. Six of which were men, including the president and two vice presidents. Mm-hmm. And only two women... And they were in um, tertiary or kind of outlying roles. One, I think, oh. was legal counsel. And yeah, so th- not in positions of control. Really don't so, have a voice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or they may have a voice, but it's pretty easy for the men to disregard it. And interestingly, too, all white and all the men were like white and in their 50s or up. So uh-huh. not a lot of diversity in the ISU on that ISU council. Interesting. And it was very difficult to find the people on that council too. Like I had to do, like, I was like, where the hell is this listed on your webpage? (laughs) And so comes back to the people in the positions of power at the universities are predominantly, I mean, it's moving, it's moving. The meter is moving slowly, (laughs) but it it just, it's taking so much more time than it should. Like I've read, some quotes, they say it'll take as much as 160 years Ooh. for gender disparity to sort itself out. Wow. And when we look at things like what's going on in Afghanistan with mm. the Taliban, that's a big step backwards, right? Well, God, mm, look at 100%. Texas. Look at what's oh going on gosh. in Texas. Oh my gosh, yes, with the whole In abortion. North America. <laughs> there is a- Embarrassing, wh- it's embarrassing. <laughs> well, it's terrifying. Is and what her, it is yeah. because they're creating a um, a climate where it, it literally is a witch hunt. They're, we're going back to the witch trials, guys. Mm-hmm. I'm not kidding. People can call a tip line and turn people in that have had abortions and get money. It is a witch hunt. They have created a witch hunt mentality in Texas. It just comes back to that fact. Sports mirror society. And particularly, the people in charge of the media, the television networks, how many people in charge of those networks, what percentage is women and what percentage is men? Who are the people making the decisions? um, Who are the people in power making those decisions about what they broadcast? Right. We are seeing more women broadcasters, you know, that is, that is a step, but are they just conforming and told what they're supposed to do and what they're supposed to say? Is it just for the image? Yeah, but they don't um, make the scenes is, is one thing. And then yeah. them in the forefront is the image. Well, you know. Yeah, but they aren't the ones in the position of power. They don't make the decisions about what gets put on TV to gain more exposure. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, kudos to those Canadian women because, you know, so well-rounded in all diverse sports. You know, we got medals and diving and in rowing and cycling and track mm-hmm. and you know it was just so awesome to time time and baseball didn't they were they didn't they win medal in baseball and soccer and yeah it was just so awesome to see see them in in the front lines of at least the canadian coverage that again yeah. you know celebrating their successes so if this really is true, if there is no representation on the decision makers, the people of power, you know, there's still 
rising to the challenge and they're still persevering yeah. and, you know, big applause. Well, and there's another, there's another um, variable that plays into this. And I only know this because I was part of a program a few years ago for about a year um, with the Coaching Association of Canada, where it was all about empowering women in coaching. And I was acting in a role as a mentor to other coaches. It was this great program. Basically, when we look at just in Canada, the number of women in varsity coaching is on the decline, 16%. Mm-hmm. But according to uh, the CEO of the Coaching Association of Canada, who is a woman, by the way, awesome. um, women tend to deselect themselves for job opportunities. Mm. And that's because men tend to be more, I'm going to use the word confident, but I could say arrogant. They will see a job opportunity and they will say, oh, I'll I'll learn this part of the job advertisement on the job. So if I don't have all the qualifications, too bad. I'm going to apply anyways. Um, Fake it till I make it, yeah. Yeah, they fake it till they make it. Or sometimes they they have a bigger idea of their qualifications than they should. Or maybe they have a, you know, a, a maybe they're just so arrogant they think they're all that. But either way, they apply to more jobs. Whereas women will say, well, I don't have all the all the qualifications, so I shouldn't apply. And basically, you know, we kind of deselect ourselves that way. We don't act yeah. like a man and say, screw it. I've got half the qualifications. I'll learn the I, other I'm half on the job. I have two examples. I have two examples having young um, daughters. Now I can't even, well, 18. She's now an adult. Is she still a teenager? I don't know. (laughs) That fine line is she's identified as a teenager, but as an adult, because she's 18 and she voted yesterday, but she's still a teen. Anyway, so um, yeah, when she was doing career and life management, and having to write a resume and it was, you know, work assignment. And, and then she did a, um, a work study program with um, the, the school offered the kids as part of a credit that they could go and work for a week, at, shadow a job. And she couldn't decide what she wanted to do because all of the job descriptions, she would pick out everything that she wasn't right. Yeah. Instead of saying, Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I'm kind of curious about this. Oh, well, that, you know, that one sounds really good. I'd like to learn more about that. She says, well, I'm not any good at that. And that doesn't interest me at all. And mm-hmm. so she couldn't decide because she was looking at all the things that she wasn't or the things that she wasn't interesting. And then her younger sister this year decided to um, apply for a job and put together a resume. So she's asking for advice from her older sister who's been through the resume writing process and they're working together on it. It was really cool to see them doing that. And then all of a sudden Paige pipes up and she says, I really hate this. It just feels like I'm bragging. And, and then Cassidy <laughs> said the same thing. I know, yeah. I know. I hate having to brag about myself. And I was like, hold on. Why uh-huh. shouldn't you brag about yourself? That's right. You know, there's lots of things that you have to offer and you are awesome at a lot of things. And look at all this extra stuff that you've done that most people have not done. So why shouldn't you brag about yourself? So where they got that from, I'm not sure, but, um, you know, that's, that's a conversation that us as parents need to have with our daughters and hopefully they're getting that advice from, um, Mm -hmm. their, their career management teachers at school and, 
You well, know? and it's, it's it is a, it's a competition. You have to show that you are yeah. better than somebody else. And if it's not going to be you, it's going to be somebody else. So how bad do you want it? And sell well, yourself. And part of it too is, you know, from an early age, do we parent boys and girls differently? Do, and I catch myself every now and then because my daughter is very um, confident. So mm-hmm. she'll say things like, like she'll say like oh yeah I'm like the best at this I'm better like she'll she'll (laughs) full-on say it and I catch myself a lot of times saying now we don't want to be arrogant and then I have to stop myself and say you know what screw it be arrogant you're gonna need it like yep no you're gonna need it as you get into the workforce you got to know your worth why am I pulling her back with that think because I'm looking again at, at this report from the coaching association of Canada Like you said, it also talks about the language in some of these job advertisements that doesn't speak to women, it speaks more to men. Mm -hmm. And they talk about, they've made recommendations how to get more female coaches. And we need apprenticeship programs. We need Mm -hmm. mentorship programs. We need sponsorship programs. And it's not something that we can just say we're doing. It's something that has to be strong strategies starting from when the athletes are nearing the end of their career and they start to get kind of primed for moving into coaching. And they start that mentorship program and particularly sponsorship by men, not just other women, but mm-hmm. by men in positions of power, even, you know, in business, that makes a big difference, right? Mm-hmm. So really interesting. That's why always the past five years or so I've been really pushing. I talk about mentorship and sponsorship so often just because I think we have to get those things in place if we want to equal the balance and get paid equally. Let's, let's face it. We still don't get paid equally. No, no, no. Pair the annual earnings by gender for both full-time and part-time workers. And on this basis, women workers in Canada earned an average of 69 cents for every dollar earned by men in 2016. So by the end of our lives, we have lost the equivalent in wages of a house. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, easy. The price, the cost of a new house. We've lost mm-hmm. that equivalent in wages. Doing the same work. Sometimes yeah. even more work. More, and usually, yeah, usually more work. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, when, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm a huge feminist. And sometimes I'm too militant. But counter a lot of people... Um, not even just men, but women who actually don't believe that there is inequality in Canada. Mm-hmm. And I have, I just shake my head and think, really? Like, just type in gender inequality in Google and look at the first three articles and that will prove you wrong. Like, spend two minutes reading about it and it will prove you wrong. But I, I don't understand how people can't see that and aren't really worried about it. Because I worry about it all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's strides that have been made, but there's still way more, way more that can be done. And and are the superior species? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I I don't believe that for a second. I think that we have strengths, but I just think women need to have the same choices and opportunities as men. That's it. That's yeah. all. Yeah. Right? I don't think I'm better, <laughs> but I know I'm not worse. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Equality. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, strengths and weaknesses is what makes the world go round, really. Um, Yeah. 
Absolutely. It's that old thing that they would always say, but women's women's uh, bodies don't perform at the same level <laughs> as a man. Their bodies can't do what men's can. It's like, what? <laughs> I know. Yeah, right? but, oh. but, and then we prove them wrong. Yeah. <laughs> we show that we are capable and then yeah. some, yeah. and then some. Yes. <laughs> so it's having to talk about it and getting it out there and making people listen and listen and understand it and see it because mm-hmm. it's so true in every aspect of our lives, male and female, we have always been a stronger sex in so many diverse ways. But when you look at sport, women have shown that they are stronger and capable dexterity wise even there's so much that even science you can prove it that it's so many there's so many ways of showing this that this is true but the male is (laughs) always out there to prove us wrong and it's it's so frustrating um we need feminism we need we need to speak out and hear and listen and and take it further and be more strong with it and get it out there talk about it, bring out the statistics, show it and prove yeah. it in so many other ways. Yeah. You're here. Well, and then my last point, um, and Jill, it was so timely that you posted that um, about the Simon Fraser University female kicker. Yes. Yeah. On the, yeah. On the football like, team. Yeah, she made yeah. history in playing cool. in the um, college or the university level I don't know the, yeah. the league that they're in but yeah how cool because I picked up my daughter and her girlfriend from school on Friday and they were the football team was practicing or they were saying that all the kids in school were wearing football jerseys and why are they wearing football jerseys I said well I think that this weekend is the first game for the school football team and and they're like you know girls should try out for the football team we would just kill it if we were able to try out how come girls can't be in football i think we should be allowed it because we're just as good as them and we could prove it to them and then your article popped up i was like this is awesome i forwarded it to Paige right away (laughs) yeah i know you know even understand um, men's there's a lot of men that are confused and angry because I think sometimes they think and to be fair there are some feminists that are very anti-men right mm-hmm. and yeah. I don't think that that's the way to go because no, you know no. that's not my brand of feminism at all right yeah, yeah. so you know men are probably like oh I just don't know how to act anymore and I think we also need to do more to bring men in and explain to them these issues and how it makes us feel and Mm -hmm. how they can help so they don't feel that they're powerless or that you know they're being attacked or they're being attacked right because if I put myself in a man's shoes and he's probably getting all these different messages from different women some are militant feminists some are you know more about equality some are some are old-fashioned and they don't believe in feminine like how do you know I'm sure it's very confusing and I can't believe I'm sticking up for men, but, you know, try and look at it from all sides and how to make everything better, right? How to make it work for both sexes. Well, and that came to light, um, the Western University, uh, uh, yeah, sexual assault things that are happening and the walkout that happened on Friday. 
And they had a spokesperson, a student, uh, spoke about it. And she basically said, you know, there needs to be better sex education in our um, school systems. um, And we need to teach men how to be men. Like, yep. You know, um, because there's a stigmatism about how they're supposed to act and how they're supposed to treat women. And some of it is still very old school and um, to the now of where we're living today. And um, we had um, a gal who was one of our tenants in our rental unit um, who worked at the Y in Banff. And she spoke about that, that they were holding some conferences for men um, educating them as to what Mm -hmm. sexual violence was and um, how can be a part of the change. Yes. Yeah. So that was it's, cool. So I guess nice there's a movement. That. There's a movement, but it's gonna be yeah, it's gonna be slow. <laughs> Baby yeah, steps. Yeah. It's just like everything, right? Yeah. Change takes time. Yeah, right. And you sure. have to just time and constant. So leading into our third topic, this is something that I've noticed has changed, um, (laughs) that women in these high level, world level, international level competitions, the Olympics and and whatnot, we're seeing um, more mothers who are still in the game, still performing, still um, competing at the Olympic level. And we're seeing... um, old maybe they're not mothers yet but they're older athletes and they're still in it and they're still fighting and they are still coming into their own and they Mm -hmm. haven't passed their prime you know it it used to be you know once you're 25 or that's it you're (laughs) you're no longer can keep up with the youth so that was really cool to see and um the whole controversy about well number one we were in in tokyo there it was a pandemic olympics they were trying to reduce contacts within the Olympic Village, but there were these um, athletes who were mothers and they were still nursing and they yeah. fought to have their infants be permitted into the Olympic Village so that they could still breastfeed. Yeah. So, so cool. Yes, wow. so, so cool. cool and so necessary. And I, I'm so glad that, that, that the officials relented and I'm so glad that we're taking that step and acknowledging that and making space for motherhood. Unbelievable. Yeah. And there was, um, you know, watching the mountain biking event, there was the Canadian team consisted of, you know, 19 year old and an almost 40 year old, like awesome. Mm-hmm. Right. And the mentorship that would go on in within that oh. environment and within that team. And, you know, that is a grueling sport. <laughs> yeah. Being somebody who's dabbled in it and had a few injuries, um, <laughs> um, it is a tough cycling and mountain biking is a tough, tough, tough sport. And to see these women in their late 30s and 40s still at it and still training at that level, um, yeah. and cross country skiing too is you know the endurance and the the pain threshold that they they must have. Well, and I I can't get over to be a a mother. <laughs> And to somehow incorporate your training into your day-to-day as you're pregnant and as you've got an infant and as your mother 
And as you have, you know, some of them, I'm sure most of them have husbands that they're also, you know, looking after a household and a husband and the mental load required. I mean, again, the stats show that it is something, and I can't remember the exact number, but it's somewhere between 70 and 80%. Women do 70 to 80% worth of the housework. They do. Regardless Mm -hmm. of the fact that it's supposed to be, oh yeah, men are woke now and they're helping out more. Well, no, they do 70 to 80% of the housework and they actually carry an even higher percentage of the mental load for organizing what gets done in the household. So I had seen a stat saying that a stay-at-home mom is actually working the equivalent of one and a half full-time jobs. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's, un- that's before she gets her own job. The workload for women right. is just so huge. So the fact that these women are able to stay in such an elite sport and, and do it, like, I don't, they must be freaking exhausted. Like, I can't yeah. imagine the exhaustion no. that these women feel and the sacrifices they've had to make to do that. I mean, mm-hmm. I, my admiration for them knows no bounds, but I also hope that the sacrifices aren't so much that they're going to pay for it later mentally. Yeah. Right. Like right. I, I worry something's about that. Gotta, something's got to give, right? Yeah. And yes. physically, physically as well. Can you imagine? Absolutely. Like the body, I mean, so worn down, right? So I'm, I'm hopeful. And, and again, I, they have a hundred percent, my full support, but I just know firsthand what we face just as a regular woman raising uh, mm-hmm. children, working full time, doing all that Managing stuff. a household, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. I, to, to think about adding <laughs> the hours <laughs> of training each week that you need to be at the world level and then the competing and the traveling and all of that on top of it, it blows my mind. It, it yeah. just blows my mind. What yeah. an accomplishment. Huge, huge. And then I wonder, didn't dive into finding any statistics, but are we seeing the same age range in men? I mean, you talk about, you know, all these teenage athletes, these 14 and 15 year olds in gymnastics and diving and all these sports that we Mm -hmm. saw at the recent Olympics. I don't know. Did we see any men in there? (laughs) Maybe diving, you know, that seems to attract the really young teenage slight bodies, but... Are we seeing the same diverse age range, you know? Um, well, well, who is the oldest so, man that competed at the Olympics? <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm so right now I just pulled up an article that said, what's the average age of Olympians? Now, this is based in the U.S. The average U.S. Olympian is 27 years old. And in most sports, the typical age isn't dramatically higher or lower than that. But older athletes looking for inspiration can find it in one extreme outlier, uh, equestrian. The average male U.S. Olympian in a equestrian events is 47 years old uh that's that makes sense yes i think i have um and then here's another one from the washington post olympians are probably older and younger than you think that makes sense so as you would expect two-thirds of roughly 11,700 olympians competing in tokyo are in their 20s prime of life blah 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 Mm -hmm. (laughs) this is funny this is this is by bonnie berkowitz from the washington post (laughs) but the rest of the athletes range from two preteens to four 60 somethings come on yeah there were four people 60 and up in those olympics Wow. Wow. and the older competitors nudged up the average age to 27 
So the older competitors brought the average age up to 27. 27? Yeah, that yeah. seemed a little bit older for an average. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Very cool. So I like that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Should we wrap that up and move into topic four? Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Let's go. Big one. <laughs> mental health. So do women carry more of a burden when it comes to mental health versus men? We certainly see, see it in the media that more women speak out about it. Um, mm-hmm. There were lots of examples recently. And what's the difference between mental health and mental toughness? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you look at Joanie Rochette, who in 2010 Olympics, who just lost her mother and then was tough enough to compete mm-hmm. and win a medal, like yeah. unheard of. Like how how can you even imagine to have to compete yeah. at your best and put all that behind you and deal with that? And then, so to me, that's mental toughness. Mm-hmm. But you, I mean, what was her mental health state at that point, right? And who was looking out for her and who was trying to analyze, you know, is it Uh safe for her? Is this the right thing for her to be doing? And then the female gymnast, Carrie Strug in the 90s, who was basically abused to do it for her, for her coach, for her team, for her country. And I don't care if your ankle hurts, you better do this vault. And I mean, the mind over matter and ignoring Mm -hmm. the pain to do what she did and she was she was a hero but now Mm -hmm. looking back on it it was abusive why did she have to sacrifice her body for that right and then we're seeing Simone Biles who is standing up for for her Mm -hmm. mental health and saying no I I don't want to sacrifice yeah my physical well-being because my mental health is not where it needs to be right Yeah. So yeah. where do we stand on this? Where's the line in the sand? <laughs> <laughs> well, <is> there? <laughs> a lot of questions in there. So mm-hmm. um, number one, I look at mental health and mental toughness as being related as in mental toughness is the strategies that you can learn and the things you can work on in order you to get over um, mental obstacles and, 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 and psychological obstacles, right? And to deal with stress and those sort of things. So to me, that's kind of like the doing. Mental health is kind of like the being. It is what, how is your mental health? How is your mental state? We know that it can be very much about depression, you know, definite diseases or syndromes that you can have. I mean, autism is under the mental health uh, umbrella, right? Mm-hmm. So is ADHD, depression, bipolar. So mental health has to do with kind of your state of being and where, you know, your brain chemistry and, you know, your, your physical body, whereas mental toughness to me has, it's the doing, it's the application of strategies to help deal with things that we come across rise above it rise above it right 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 above the risk of injury or like eating disorders or having burnout because you're just you're exercising and training so hard that yeah you're falling apart yeah like so you could call instead of mental toughness you could also say mental strategies uh, mental tools you, you know, you could call it whatever you want, but it has more to do with the application of strategies mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to help, right? 
Um, to me, I've always regarded it that way. I don't know if clinically that's what it's called, but that's kind of <laughs> how I separate it in my mind. I don't think that women suffer more mental health issues than men. If anything, I think men have it harder, to be quite honest with you. Uh, okay. And here's why. Men are taught that they can't show weakness. Uh-huh. Men are taught, come on, be a man, cowboy up. From a very early age, men are socialized to handle things on their own, to be strong, to be independent. Mm -hmm. Now it is changing, but because of that, I feel and, and I think the data would support that many men go through things like depression and mental health alone without, Mm -hmm. without feeling that they can talk about it, without feeling that they can show weakness, without feeling there's this whole um, toxic masculinity surrounding being a man and what it's what it's supposed to be to be a man. And women, we talk more, women are raised to communicate more, or maybe we just naturally communicate more. I'm not sure why. We tend Mm -hmm. to be more emotionally intelligent. So we're better at sharing our emotions. And I also think we are better at getting help when we need it. So I personally feel that while mental health and mental health issues are huge for everybody across the board, that it is harder for men to get the help they need than it is for women. Now, I'm not talking about women in abusive relationships or things like that. That's a whole Mm -hmm. other animal. But, (laughs) But that's my feeling on it. You're probably right. You're probably right. They they disguise it in other things, or um, they turn to yeah, other ways to deal with it. Um, I think a yeah. lot of of times there's possibly um, even just old thinking back in the day of how coaching was coaching. Oh, put um, up or shut up. <laughs> yeah, and there are That's ways of was. looking yeah. at those same things that you just discussed, Jill. Now in today's way of having so much at our fingertips of our computers, our phones and things and Google, and being able to research things and have so much more um, knowledge today. And then we also have our organizations, whether it's Skate Canada, whether it's any other sport, where they're learning and growing as we get this technical technical, um, based learning as well. So more and more and more things have been spoken about. So our coaching now uh, um, is, is training us to be more aware, watch signs, be intuitive to your individual children, whomever you're coaching, to see those triggers, to be aware of it. And with that, even that is so helpful for us as coaches to be able to be trained to see the mental, the physical, to see the worn downness or to see the Morning the sign. emotional yeah. part of, uh, of an individual and say, hey, and being able to help when they feel that maybe they have no voice or they ha- yeah. just have to do it, we can be their voice for them. It, it's so mm-hmm. open now, I feel, mm-hmm. in the day when I was being coached and how I felt as a child when I was out there on the ice and I was having a really bad day or my parents weren't getting along and I was up all night because they were 
you know, there, there's so many diverse reasons and ways of being able to get around things, being able to help that individual yeah. that you know needs that help. Some of the things that I was kind of thinking and feeling while you were pointing out some of those um, points, Jill. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, I think it's no, more wider, wider span now. Things are out there, yeah. and we're, we, yeah. we are we as professionals now need to be trained. That is something well, that less- is is needed that we need to have as as a coach. Well, there's less of a stigma, which yeah. I like, right? Because mm-hmm. you know, even ten years ago, people wouldn't speak about depression as much as they speak about it now. Like Bell, exactly. let's talk has yeah. been huge, you know, and, and, and movements like that are, are mm-hmm. wonderful. Right. And mm-hmm. just to even have people in the public eye that are brave enough to speak about their mental health struggles, the latest Gracie gold, mm. she's coming back to skating and she's been really open about her mental health struggles. And she's trying to get mm. back into competitive skating. She's mm-hmm. got a different body shape now because she's, she had battled eating she's disorder. So she's trying to eat healthy. Pardon? Mm-hmm. She's not. She's not ashamed. She is so. Yeah. She's, she's a helpful she's, tool. Yeah. She's she's healthy. Her body looks like a woman's body should look, not like a preteen body who is on like restricted calories to train for skating. Looks. Her body looks healthy and beautiful. Yes. And every time she has a competition, she's very forthright about my anxiety got the better of me here. My depression's been really bothering me here. It's it's been really refreshing to see how open she's been about her mental health struggles. And um, I'm really inspired by that. But mm-hmm. the other question I wanted to ask is, out of all your coaching friends that you know, <laughs> okay, so think through all of the skaters and coaches that you've worked with or seen, how many ever have worked on basic mental strategies with their skaters right from the ground up? Never. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know, but it is how we're so strapped for time, really. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's an investment. I mean, most coaches will show up at the ice and will do what they do on the ice. I mean, I think I'm one of the few coaches who at least once a year, if not twice a year, Mm -hmm. will check in and have a meeting. Yeah. with the skater and the parent yeah, and try to make a connection and try to see how things go. I mean, when you see a, a skater, maybe for five, 15 minute yeah. lessons a week, how do you have time to, <laughs> to dive into that? And yeah. you know, are you supposed to do it for free? Do you charge for that? Yeah. But we're expected, I, we're I, expected I, to I, I know the do. mental health state yeah. of our athletes and we're yeah. expected to, help them through that and we're expected to yeah. guide them. See, now, I, I used to charge for that. Um, yeah. I remember I had two that were training um, for sections and, and way back when I was teaching a bonus and part of their office regime, which I charged for, which we would do, you know, office training and, and working out. But also there was 20 minutes each week that we dedicated to mental training and they had workbooks that I expected to see filled out. Nice. Right. So it's hard, but I do feel that as coaches, as a group, we don't stress that enough. No. And we could. There are really simple ways that we could incorporate basic 
breathing, relaxation, visualization, refocusing techniques into every lesson, but we're not trained to do that. Nope. Like Deb said, right, Deb, you just said that we don't have the training and it's time we did. It's an important aspect of the mental and emotional part of your, of your athlete in order for them to feel strength. The, the, it's just, it's an important part of it just to start from the basics and work your way up to whatever level your mm-hmm. skater is at, yeah. say, our skaters. It's definitely a program that I really think that a club would really benefit from and they would have amazing, an amazing mm-hmm. team strength, you know, um, yeah. it's healthy. Yeah. And I think yeah. it's something that, you know, I've mentioned to people, people, parents, skaters, oh, well, I want to be competitive. Well, what does that take or what does it yeah. mean? What have to do to be competitive? So I remember during this question was, came to me from a couple of parents at the start of the first round of COVID lockdowns <laughs> and so I had some time to kind of dig into it and mm-hmm. I copied some stuff from the long-term athlete development and what the expectations were you know ice time lesson time and then being a parent in the sport and being a coach in the sport and being um, somebody who was an athlete in mm-hmm. you know to a relatively high level yeah those those were things that beyond this mm-hmm. you know you're going to get injured you're going to need physiotherapy this is how much this costs you know, yep. you might you might need to see a sports psychologists. This is what this costs. Yeah. You know, so you can recommend these things and educate mm-hmm. people that this is probably part of the package. This is part yep. of it's not just your lessons on the ice. It's not just showing yep. up every day. It's not yep. just registering for competitions. Um, it's not just falling on your ass thirty times a day. Like yep. it is this is what it's all about. And yep. you can educate them. And you can advise them, okay, I see that you're struggling and maybe we need some mental training. Yeah. This is what I can offer. This is what I can't offer. This is what, where you should go to find it, but they may or may not make it happen. Right. Yeah. You can lead a horse to water. Yeah. yeah, Time and time again, you could say, this is what I'm really recommending for you. Uh Right. Yeah. Like, so what you're saying is you can, you, you can do this but you really should only go so far with it because rightfully we're not registered in being a, oh, we're not a sports psychologist. We're not. Right. Thank you. you know. Thank you. That's what yeah. I'm trying yeah. to say. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And there's basics that we can talk about and basic strategies and basic. Oh, there's lots and, of basics and, that we can do. Yeah. yeah and, for sure. You know, it, it's teaching them about keywords and teaching them about positive yeah. thinking. You know, I mean, often yeah. what I do after a skater exactly. in a practice mm-hmm. is, done a program run through Mm -hmm. I'll say okay go and do three laps and I want you to tell yourself out loud in your either out Mm -hmm. loud or in your brain the five things that you think were really good I want you to pump yourself up because you skated Mm -hmm. a good run through yeah tell yourself that go and see three laps and tell yourself you did a good job Yes. Yeah. And see, that is working on mental toughness in your lessons. So you're probably doing it and not even giving yourself credit for a lot of the skills that you are doing. Yeah. Yes. Those are those are affirmations that you're teaching them how to do. Right. Yeah. yeah. But those are pretty basics, and you know, we can mm-hmm. dive in. Yeah. You know, there's a yeah. whole lot yeah. more in the industry that I'm not trained for. Yeah. That I don't know, um, and and the athletes could benefit from. So. 
Awesome. Well, awesome. Well, lots to highlight, lots that we're seeing, lots of trends, <laughs> um, lots of steps forward, lots of work to do still. But um, I, this has been an awesome discussion. Great. Yeah, I think some rolling. of these some of these things we've we've diverted on and some of our other podcast topics so it was really cool to dive in <laughs> and uh yes really absolutely get, get on a roll with it because we've had to backtrack and say okay let's stay on topic <laughs> yes exactly so wonderful so we've had a awesome. bit of a break and haven't had a podcast in a while but hopefully we can get back on track and yes that would be good can't wait can't wait for um the next time we can we can get together Sounds good. Thank, Thank you, you, Kendra. This okay. was wonderful. Your organization awesome with this and your research was excellent. Thank oh, you yeah. so much. Well, it's, it's great to be part of something that I know that you guys are going to put some time into and research and bring some thoughts to the table. So it's it's great to be part of a team. Awesome. Thank you, Kendra. Yay. 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 We'll be well, ladies. Yes, awesome. you too. Keep your edges on ice. That is right. <laughs> we say. shall. All right. Okay, Bye, take Dad. Care. Bye, 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 guys. Bye. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to our episode on women in sport. I'm sure that you can relate to many of the topics that we discussed, and we really value your opinion. So please hit us up on our Facebook page, leave your comments, and leave ideas for podcasts you'd like us to do in the future. Until then, keep your edges on ice and make sure to share with your friends. We want the word to get out so we can increase the discussion and the number of people involved in it. Take care, everybody. Stay safe. Thank you.